0: to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Jen Lisso and Shayla Spaulding. They're two of the people behind the Guelph Wellington Digital Equity Coalition, which, put simply, finds and develops resources to help people who don't have access to computers and the internet. You ever wonder what your life would be like if you didn't have easy access to a digital device like the one you're presumably listening to this podcast on right now, how would you get the news? How would you sign up for your COVID-19 booster? How would people reach you? Do you even still have a landline? For many of us, crossing the digital divide is easy. It's now a part of our daily routine, but for many people in our community, it's still hard to cross that Rubicon, but there's a group in Guelph that's dedicated to helping people build a bridge, and that is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. In a report published by Statistics Canada last year, it was noted that the number of people in Canada who were classified as either non-users or basic users of the internet and digital technologies had shrunk by almost 5% between 2018 and 2019. In other words, nearly 1.4 million Canadians went from being digital have-nots to digital haves that was a good thing, especially when being online became so essential to coping with pandemic lockdowns. But as always, the devil's in the details. Although people had more basic internet access, there was a big difference between those users and more intermediate users, 55% of whom had made online, voice, or video calls, versus 23% of the basic users. There was also a big gap between intermediate and basic users on things like changing the privacy location settings or subscribing to a streaming service or just buying goods online or booking appointments the kinds of things that many of us take for granted every single day now covid 19 showed just how wide the digital divide can be because not everyone's access is the same the divide is not just about what people do when they get on the internet it's about what kind of access they have We've known for years that people living in rural areas are more subject to slower internet speeds, more sporadic access. And while the provincial and federal governments have been trying to fix that, it's still an ongoing problem. And how are you supposed to access the internet and say, I don't know, do your schoolwork when you're stuck at home and you don't have a computer? For that matter, what if you need something a little more upscale, like a 3D printer, and you can't afford to run out and buy one? Or what happens when you're out and about and your phone suddenly runs out of power? Where can you go in a pinch to charge your phone? These are key questions about our digital age, and they're some of the questions that the Guelph-Wellington Digital Equity Coalition was created to answer. So on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, we're joined by Jen Lisso, the digital services librarian at Guelph Public Library, and Shayla Spaulding, a research assistant with the Regional and Rural Broadband Project at the University of Guelph. They will talk about the creation of the coalition, the different meanings when it comes to digital inequity, and how there are no set standards for how to solve those issues. We will also talk about the vast network that the coalition has created, especially the role of the Guelph Public Library, and whether or not one needs a digital device in order to fully participate in society now. And finally, we will discuss how the coalition promotes their services, the creation of their first digital access guide, and what they're working on next. So I caught up with Jen Lisso and Shayla Spaulding a couple of weeks ago, appropriately, via zoom. Okay, I am now being joined by a couple of members of the Guelph Wellington Digital Equity Coalition. So first we will meet uh, Jen Lisso. Jen, if you could say hi and introduce yourself?
1: Hi, thank you so much for having us today. Um, My name is Jen Lisseau. I am the chair of the Gulf Wellington Digital Equity Coalition. I represent the Gulf Public Library, um, who is a member of the coalition as a steering committee member.
0: And we're also being joined by Shayla Spaulding. Uh, Hi, Shayla. Can you introduce yourself, please?
2: Hi. uh, Thank you for having us. I am Shayla. I'm a steering committee member on the Digital Equity Coalition, And I'm a graduate student at the University of Guelph and a research assistant with the Regional and Rural Broadband Project.
0: Okay. So Shayla, since you're on my screen right now, I'll start with you. Um, Could you start by just talking a bit about, you know, what digital equity means and and when we're talking about digital inequality or however we wanna phrase it, just, you know, what are we talking about?
2: Um, So digital equity is the idea that everyone should have equal opportunities and to access and use the Internet to fully participate in society. So everyone should be able to benefit from resources that can be found online, um, regardless of their background, their race, age, location, any other factors. And there's so many resources that can be found online right now. So not being able to access those or not having the tools to be able to get to them, that can cause a lot of inequity in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, the the library is one of the great, uh, the public library is one of the great, um, I guess, flatteners of that inequity. Um, so we'll ask Jen this part next, which is um, how did the, Wealth Wellington Digital Equity Coalition begin? How did that get started?
1: Okay, um, so that <laughs> started a couple of years ago, right in the thick of the pandemic. Um, so a couple of community partners um, were sort of realizing just how vast the digital divide was during the pandemic when um, social services were shut down in person and there was greater demand for um, people being on devices and the internet and needing skill to access them. And so in May of 2021, Toward Common Ground, which is a um, partnership between social and healthcare organizations, they did um, a series called Vital Focus Reports. And one of them was about the digital divide in Guelph Wellington. And it included secondary effects of the pandemic um, on a digital scale. And um, this document sort of showed um, who was most affected by the digital divide and um, what was needed to um, address the digital divide, which was a collective impact approach. And so in response to the release of this document, um, the Guelph Public Library Uh, In partnership with Wealth CHC and um, a bunch of stakeholders and and keynote speakers came together to host a digital equity forum. And there we learned even more about sort of the nuanced stories within our community and um, what people were facing. And so after that forum, the call to action was to have a collective impact Group um, of community organizations and community members who would come together and form what is now the Gulf Wellington Digital Equity Coalition. And so then it was a partnership of 12 organizations and some community members. And we've had some organizations come and some organizations go, um, but right now we're sitting at about 15 organizations with community members as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm just calling up uh, the new digital equity access guide and that includes i mean some of your usual suspects like the school boards and uh action read which has long been associated with uh developing literacy skills in the city and uh, several different neighborhood groups um let me ask you this jen the the pandemic and you can speak to this from your, your your day job i think um did the pandemic accelerate this need or um, was it just like sort of the impetus to finally address it?
1: Yeah, it was the digital divide definitely existed well before the pandemic. It was the fact that people could only really connect through digital means during the shutdowns that highlighted just how vast the divide was.
0: Mm-hmm. And Shayla, you, you were talking about working uh, with rural broadband. That's, long been sort of the uh, one of the under-discussed aspects of um, our our digital modern world is that if you live rurally, you do not have the same access to uh, the internet as people who live in uh, more urban areas.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We can see that even in Guelph and Wellington County. There's a clear divide between rural areas and non-rural areas. Um, So this is a big issue that we can address through the coalition, but we can also see this divide on a smaller scale, like at a community level between neighborhoods. So it's Mm. really interesting to look at that spatially and see kind of layering data alongside what we know where there are gaps in Internet. We can see how this correlates with either location or with socioeconomic factors.
0: Mm -hmm. Is part of the problem because i i see the the press releases from the ontario government the federal government almost on a weekly basis like this area has broadband now this area has broadband now um but this is like it, it seems like it's kind of a patchwork where you can almost like drive down the street and you would have two different qualities of internet is that a, a sort of fair assessment
2: yeah it's um it is very much a patchwork it's um difficult because there's certain neighborhoods that are getting um their prices are so much higher, so mm-hmm. it's much more difficult for them to even access internet as a, as, as a whole. So it's really difficult when providers aren't providing for the whole area and they're only looking at specific streets, and it creates this inequity.
0: Mm-hmm. Jen, let me ask you this. It was something I was thinking about. If, if you know, there's a problem with your neighbor where, you know... the. You know, there's a, there's an issue, but their kids that relationship you can call child services. Um, you know, food food banks are sort of like a patchwork too. But you know, we we've done food banks so long, there's there's kind of like a a way you can address that. Is there something like whether that's a like a government service or I, I guess like maybe like is there some like overarching authority that you know you can learn from in terms of how you build digital. digital equity or is this just like such a new field that we're kind of figuring out as we're going along
1: yeah um to my knowledge there's no like national guideline of how to address digital equity a lot of the initiatives that exist have come from grassroots organizations in different communities Um, ottawa is a great example there's tons of collective impact approaches um, coming from the states and and internationally as well um so right now i am currently in a um, like a secondment um, that is funded by the Government of Canada um, through the Community Services Recovery Fund, um, which is funding um, the guelph Wellington Digital Equity Coalition's efforts to address digital divide post-pandemic. So, we um, are continually looking across sectors and um, from different stakeholders to come together to address this together and that is how we intend to address the digital divide by knowing exactly what the community needs are so that we can specifically create um, effective pathways within our community.
0: And that's going to be one of those things that's going to depend on every community that the, the, the digital divide in guelph Wellington is not going to be the same as the digital divide in, you know, Northern Ontario.
1: That's correct. We can, there's definitely opportunity to learn from each other um, and like, yeah, to learn from each other and to also um, find out what resources are available by learning what each person is doing or which organization is doing.
0: I'm going to give you a skill testing question, Shayla. When we're talking about, you know, the, the digital divide and, and we're talking about like what things um, people who are on the, the I, I guess, where inequality isn't an issue versus people who for, for whom digital equality is an issue. What types of things are we talking about? What types of services? What types of access um, do we not notice if we're lucky enough to be able to have you know, our devices and we have access to to Wi-Fi and we have access to data versus someone who doesn't?
2: Well, um, just starting out with services that are available online that um, people might not notice. Um, Well, for example, you can connect to school, to meetings for work. If you don't have a good connection, then this becomes a big issue and you'll have to go somewhere else in in the community to find one. Um, When people don't, know how to use technology, even if they have access to it. If they don't have the skills to use it, then they can't fully benefit from it to be able to connect to their doctor's appointments, for example. So so there's the skills. And then I think that... People also have to physically have access to devices. So, mm-hmm. if people don't have the money to afford a device or they just don't have access to one, then they still can't connect to online resources. And this is also an issue that we're trying to address through the coalition.
0: Right. It, it's not just, I mean, the, the ability to afford a device is a barrier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you don't know how to sign up for, say, you know, a a COVID shot at a, a, you know, COVID and flu shot clinic, um, that's a barrier to access. That's digital inequality at work.
2: Yes. It's not just physically having um, internet access. It's also having the tools to use it and having physical devices Mm -hmm. and spaces in the community to access it.
0: Yes. Because like theoretically, a coffee shop has free Wi-Fi, but you also have to buy a coffee to sit there and use it
2: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) right uh lisa it strikes me too that this is about more than and this is kind of where the library has has been playing a role too um you may have a a a phone or a tablet or, or or a laptop um that's but that's one form of digital equity but the library has uh it has been dabbling in other bits of of digital equity by offering things like a 3D printer and the Oculus Rift and like the the makerspace and the Westminster branch, you know, stuff that um th- there's still a barrier if you're terms of like buying devices. You can't just run out and buy a 3D printer if you want to print something off, or most people can. I assume very rich people can, but that that's another form of this is just it's, it goes beyond internet.
1: Yes, that's right. It goes beyond the internet. Um, so Guelph Public Library is just one of many agencies that provides different services within the community. Um, Guelph Public Library specifically views digital equity as another form of access to information. So that is why you'll see us offering um, access to um, loanable hotspots and devices, as well as providing our one-on-one tech help training and various programs. Um, and that's all to create those pathways to information.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's, is, is that something that's still sort of underappreciated? I mean, I know that so the library has been, you know, through the pandemic, there was the, you were able to borrow laptops and and devices and and hotspots. Um, how big of a barrier, I guess, is trying to help people understand that the library is um, more than just about the <laughs> the physical books. It's it's about the digital tools as well.
1: Yeah. So um, partnering with our different community organizations is one of the best ways that we can create intimate relationships with our partners, but also our community members so that the greater understanding of what we provide is more readily available. Truly word of mouth and sharing of personal stories of impact is how we get to our next person and help them. In terms of appreciation, every single person that we help um, always walks away with um, some form of appreciative thank you or a referral to send another family member to get some tech help or to borrow a hotspot or something. So it's kind of like the more you experience and the more you share, then the more other people can get helped as well.
0: And Shayla, can you talk a bit about sort of raising that awareness because I think (laughs) this is another example of digital divide. We sort of think as promotion almost through, you know, exclusively through digital means now, whether that's social media or a newsletter or, um, you know, directing, like sending someone a link in a text or something like that. um, It it seems to me that the whole notion of promoting digital equity um, also accidentally presents a barrier to digital equity as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we do have a website for the coalition, which offers a lot of resources to connect people to um, events in the community. But we also try to ensure that we have hard copies of a lot of our resources and information as well. For example, the digital access guide, um, we do offer hard copies at all of the individual organizations. And within each organization, we do run a lot of events that are in person in the community. So we don't only um, advertise for those through our website. We also do it in person within our organizations through um, word of mouth and through physical um, advertisements.
0: And how do groups sort of find you? Um, I mean, I I imagine networking is, is a pretty big part of this.
2: Find the coalition. Yeah. Um, We do um, go out in the community and um, hold events a lot of the time. So, for example, we did speak um, this summer at the Alliances Conference for Healthier Communities. And we talked about a lot of the work that we've done over the past year with the coalition. Because within the last year, we've um, gained a lot of momentum and started doing a lot more work out in the community throughout each organization. Um, and yeah, we've just within each organization, whenever somebody runs an event that helps connect people to skills or resources in the community, they'll often mention that they are a part of the guelph Wellington Digital Equity Coalition. So that also kind of brings some more awareness to the, the group.
0: Jen, uh, Shayla mentioned hard copies that has come up at city council uh, recently with the um, the Parks and Rec master plan. People used to get this thing in their mail, the, the Parks and Rec booklet. It had the list of schedules and uh, classes and activities and teams and pool hours. Um, and th- this, this may be another issue um, in terms of addressing the digital divide, but um, we've kind of patted ourselves at the bat on the back of going paperless but going paperless is itself it's an act of inequality you know Too that you know and i'm sure you get this a lot of the library and your colleagues do people wanting paper like to have that paper in their hands or to like fold it up and put it in their pockets that's something that um we, we've considered kind of like a good thing you know we're sparing trees but it's also thrown up another barrier of access
1: That's right. So, digital equity is also an issue of inclusivity, and so it's not arbitrarily printing resources, it's printing with a purpose, and the purpose is for inclusivity. Um, When we are solely providing digital resources online, it's making a ton of assumptions about people's privilege. And so by creating, again, a physical pathway to information, it ensures that every citizen has the opportunity to fully participate in society.
0: Mm-hmm. And is there kind of like an awareness? Because I said that, as I was saying, this came up at city council. Um, And I've been doing it long enough. I remember the clerks would leave out like paper copies of the agenda for you to pick up. And again, I, you know, most, a lot of people have devices now. But is there an understanding, you know, when you, when you're dealing with other groups, other services, you know, the local government, what have you, that um, they need to, you know, they need to sort of reach out and help provide like physical copies of things. If you know, we don't we don't have to drop one in every stoop in town, of course, but if someone goes to the library. You know, if people are looking for local information, typically the library is their first stop, and so it makes sense to sort of have make sure the library has something physical it can hand to people. Do does do like local groups kind of understand that aspect to it?
1: I think um, groups are starting to learn more and more about it as awareness rose. I think it's pretty common these days, like you were mentioning about people wanting to go paperless. Um, there's a lot of benefits to going paperless. Mm. Um, but it also means that, again, people are not getting the access. And so even though going paperless is more efficient, it um, costs less. You can, in theory, get it directly whenever you want it. It's creating one scenario um, that exists instead of the multitude of scenarios that could be happening instead.
0: Right. We're taking away opportunities. Uh, that's it's a good way of putting it. Uh <laughs> Shale, I'm going to throw this one at you. Um, area of my interest, obviously, as a as a member of the media. But you know, misinformation, fake news, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of people look to the fact we don't have like printed newspapers anymore as 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 sort of part of that problem. It's all it sort of exists ethereally on your phone on on social media pages. Um, Th- 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 that that's part of this too is that it, it's you know you used to be able to whether that was that you know tim hortons and the coffee news which you know or, or something like that um the digital equity divide is is also um an information divide too and it's also sort of trying it's, it's also sort of fostering this atmosphere of fake news that we have because there there's kind of nothing physical i mean i I could go on and and point out that there are physical newspapers that print misinformation too, but, you know, to have something tangible to hold on to as well, like print is all kind of like a form of a uh, verification too. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, this is something that we've definitely talked about in the coalition and it's something that we address as well. Um, we've had different organizations in the coalition run um, workshops to um, targeted to certain demographics of community members um, to come in and learn about how to um, identify misinformation and how to be secure online and ensure that you're um, connecting to reputable sources and also not giving your information away. So this mm-hmm. is definitely something that we are considering a lot, and it's something that we're linking as well to like further resources on our website.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. And going along with that too, I mean, identifying as, as you're saying, like identifying, you know, sources, trusted sources. I mean, that's something. What you might consider a trusted source, somebody might not. That you know, there's there is this debate um, in some circles that I, you know, I've participated in. Some people think I'm fake news. It just it's there, there's a whole language. I think that you're you and and others in in the community and in the discourse are developing you know how do you how do you define what is um verifiable what is trusted and trying to, i mean there, there's a language barrier to overcome as well as like the the actual inequities you're trying to overcome um that are the, the goal of your group
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is a bit tricky, but I think it goes along with um, digital literacy skills and kind Mm -hmm. of having the tools to kind of figure that out as you're going, as you're using the internet. You can go back to some of the skills you might have learned in certain workshops or through some of our resources and kind of discern for yourself if this is a trusted source. So we don't Mm -hmm. have like a specific list or anything to give to community members, but we're trying to help them find resources that can help them gain those skills. Gotcha. Just to
1: add to that, if I could, um, one of the sub goals that the coalition has is to use plain language, just to Mm. simply level the playing field in terms of equity and understanding what it is exactly you are reading or what you're trying to understand. So advocating for more organizations to use plain language allows more people to access what is available.
0: Hmm. Um, I don't know. Can you give an example of like what plain language sounds like? Like how do you, you know, talk to people who, you know, are trying to understand, I, I guess, some, some of these differences?
1: So I can give a really easy example. So yeah. in um the digital world, when we're talking about digital equity, A lot of the times, digital literacy is a term that's thrown around, Mm -hmm. but that in itself is a barrier term, term, because what does that mean to the lay person? So what we've done as the coalition is we've reframed that to be digital skill building or digital skill development, Mm -hmm. so that when regular people are talking about what it is that's actually happening, there doesn't take that moment to mentally translate what it is. They just know exactly what it is right away. So you can have a conversation.
0: Yeah, digital literacy could sound like it's coding or something. (laughs) Um, Is there any, like, you you know, and this, again, Jen may go to your library experience. Like, when when you're, you know, people are looking for information, I guess what hasn't sort of, like, what kind of information hasn't sort of made the, or hasn't yet made the transition to sort of being more easy to access? Like, is there you know, any particular service, like I said, or, or source of information that is more difficult for people to access than others if they are not, uh, if they don't have those digital skills.
2: Yeah. So
1: it really depends on what people are trying to do. Um, like in the library setting, a lot of people come in to use resources for day-to-day living. So whether that's accessing a government website or if it's applying for a job, or even learning the skills to, um, you know, uh, access health services, mm. it all just depends on on that situation.
0: Hmm. Um. Sort of the simpler stuff is harder to access. It seems. Um, yeah,
1: it's so nuanced. Like. Yeah. And I think Shayla touched on this earlier. Like a big part of. Um, a digital barrier is just digital hesitance and a lot of people feel shame about not having these digital skills because they assume it's the norm but truly what is the norm is to be continually learning and that's sort of the attitude we like to foster is that digital skills is just part of lifelong learning Mm -hmm. and everybody starts with a question and it's that building the confidence to be able to know how to navigate to find the answer. And that's where community connections come in place because the library might be able to solve one part of the answer, but a community partner might be able to finish that. And so the connections is what really helps people to thrive when navigating the digital realm.
0: Yeah. I As you were talking, I was thinking about banking because a lot of us do our, our banking online now. Um, And we sort of see the uh, uh, reflects that with like branches closing, like neighborhood branches closing. And if you're an older person who is used to going into a bank, talking to a teller, withdrawing physical cash um, or depositing physical checks. um, And then all of a sudden your neighborhood bank branch picks up stakes. And, you know, now you have to drive across town or, or learn this scary thing called Internet banking, which, you know, maybe you hear about in the news like. People in your demographic and getting ripped off because they went to a Bitcoin machine and sent people money.
1: <laughs> yeah, so even using online um, banking or any sort of platform that requires sensitive information is truly discouraged on a public Wi Fi access point because right. of the insecurity there. So then you're facing this dilemma of how do you access the internet and do your day to day things that you need to do?
0: Right. Yeah so many things to think about uh shayla for people who may not know what you look like you you are on the younger side um so this seems like an appropriate question for you um do you think that in order to sort of be like a fully active member in society now that you know digital literacy or digital skill building is a must like if if you if you don't have a device in your pocket or a device at home Maybe you feel like, and you know, this may be a, a sort of um, personal feeling that that someone has. That maybe you don't feel like you are as an, a- an active person in society as any of us here who are, you know, presently talking on on our computers.
2: I think it opens up a lot of opportunities and a lot of doors for, because so many um, businesses are going online. You can find so many resources online. Even just myself for my courses for school, all of my information for my assignments, it's all digital. There's no paper copy. So that is a big issue for for students to be able to access um, any resources that they need for their class. And even I know there are still classes now that are um, partially online. Um, Mm. So that is something that if you don't have a good internet connection, then you can't access those resources and you can't successfully join a lot of your classes so it is a big issue that does create barriers in a lot of ways
0: right um maybe to to wrap things up uh let's talk about the digital guide a bit and uh shayla since you're presently on my screen I'll, i'll start with you what's what's the idea behind the guide other than just to sort of like offer a list of places where you can get like free wi-fi or access and i guess is is this sort of like tearing down a barrier because if if there's a local group giving out guides to where you can get digital access then maybe um people don't feel so alone if they don't have that access that you know you don't feel like you don't have that kind of outcasty feeling because you don't have a uh, wi-fi at home or you you can't afford wi-fi at home or something like that
2: yeah absolutely um a lot of this information wasn't easy to find when it's all spread out throughout the community, Mm -hmm. but bringing it all together and putting it into a really clear chart that clearly outlines what you can find where. So for example, where you can get hotspots, where you can connect to free public Wi-Fi. having all of that information there can help community members connect to resources that they might not have even known existed. And being able to access those and go out in the community and take advantage of those resources can definitely help to fill a gap that might not have been being met before
0: Mm -hmm. and and uh jen what's sort of the i guess the time horizon uh technology changes all the time and you know uh we're always adding new services or there's always new groups like trying to expand trying to do more um i guess is there like a schedule for when this gets refreshed and um, when when the new version of the 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 accessible guide comes out,
1: so this is um, a living document that will be continually updated as agencies reach out and say, "Hey, we also offer resources, and um, we'd like to be added to this guide." Um, in terms of an accessible version of this document, one is being made in the in the moment, so we're just waiting to have that um, given to us, and then we'll be sharing an AODA. Um, a, like um certified
0: okay cool yeah no that's great and um let me finish up and i'll ask both of you to take a turn at this um if there's sort of one issue with like whether it's digital skill building some aspect of digital skill building or some area of access or sort of like an issue i mean like what's you, you know on your plate when you're thinking about the the you know, tackling this these issues and in these problems, uh, what's sort of like the big one you have in mind right now? Like, what's next? I guess. I'll I'll let Jen start. Okay,
1: um, <laughs> so I think one of the overarching issues that we are dealing with in general is the idea that the digital divide is someone else's problem. It's an other problem. And in fact, it's a systemic issue that requires social change and and community investment. And so what we are trying to advocate for is to have everyone see themselves in the digital divide in some way. Um, Different stakeholders from different areas are all part of this. It's um, all levels of government. It's the private sector, it's um, telecommunication companies, it's software developers, it's policy makers, and it's community members. And it goes as small and micro as the internal family systems as well. So it's sort of championing the idea that we all need to take part for us to address the digital divide. And so there's no timeline, but we are continually, continuously having this message that everyone has a part to play and everyone is welcome in the coalition because fundamentally we do want it to be a community-led approach. Uh, We want as many diverse voices at the table so that the solutions at the Guelph-Wellington table are going directly to help Guelph-Wellington citizens and their specific needs.
0: And, And Shayla, same question.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with everything Jen was saying about um, connecting. Everybody has a role to play in connecting and filling the digital divide. Um, I also, in my own research with the R2B2 project, um, we're looking a lot at filling these gaps in poor internet access and poor access to like hotspots throughout the community. There's so many gaps just within Guelph and Wellington County Mm -hmm. um, that we want to address and Create more of a connected community where everyone, no matter where they live, has access to um, internet.
0: Well, that's perfect. And I I think this is such a great and vital project. And before we wrap, I just want to point out on the record while we're all on screens here. I have an old-fashioned notebook for my podcasting questions. So that's, I mean, I'm extremely online, but even I still have a pen and paper. So. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Jen Lisso and uh, Shayla Spaulding, thank you so much for your time and all your hard work. Uh, it's appreciated in the community. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for
2: having us. Thank you.
0: And once again, that was Jen Lisso and Shayla Spaulding. You can learn more about the guelph Wellington Digital Equity Coalition at gwdigitalequity, all one word.CA. That's GW. DigitalEquity.ca. That's also where you can find the Digital Access Guide for Guelph and Wellington County, which can refer you to places where you can find public Wi-Fi, internet hotspots, charging outlets, and other services to bridge that digital divide. And that's it for this week's edition of the show. We hope you liked it. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays, and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you would like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week, and until then, we will see you next time.